Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be reading just the first 25 verses of this chapter tonight. First Corinthians 14, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or harp, do not give distinct notes, How will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language... I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues, And by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. 
Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together, and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we have for the last several sermons together been looking at Paul addressing spiritual things in the church. Uh, This began back in chapter 12, where he entered the discussion of spiritual gifts, and his point was we have to do that which builds up the body of Christ. He's going to continue that again tonight. When we got to chapter 13, it began by saying, I'll show you a still more excellent way. In chapter 13, that chapter of love, the context in which the church ministers to one another. The way of love, not simply for Christian marriage, but the way of love in the church. And now in chapter 14, he's going to address address directly the issue that they had questions about. The problem being raised by certain people speaking in tongues. They were seeing this hierarchy of gifts. And to speak in tongues was considered one of the pinnacle gifts you could have. And Paul is going to address that in this chapter. I read an article in a Christian magazine not so long ago, written by a recent college graduate. This was a young man who had grown up in a reformed church. He had attended Christian school. He had gone to a Christian college. And in in this article, he wrote, he could not ever remember a sermon or teaching on speaking in tongues. He says, I've been to church my whole life. I've gone to Christian school and Christian college. I don't remember ever being instructed regarding the use of tongues in worship. I don't want any of you to ever say that, that you were not instructed. And so we're going to talk about this tonight. I can uh, almost guarantee you I will not answer all your questions. But we will look at what Paul gives us and what, what his burden is for the church with regard to this issue of speaking in tongues. Uh, this chapter really has two parts. We're going to take the next part the next week. Tonight, we're going to talk about understandable worship, and next time, the end of the chapter, orderly worship. They had said tongues were an evidence of great spirituality. How does Paul begin to address them? Pursue love, he's just talked about that in chapter 13, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And he is going to contrast in chapter 14 the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And Paul's point is going to be you should pursue that 
which most will build up the church. That's our concern as the body of Christ, to build each other up. So he will say, yes, pursue these spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. He will say prophecy is far superior to the gift of tongues. We will see that, that between tongues and prophecy, there is a different audience, there is a different purpose, and there are different results. So that hopefully, if someone comes up to you and says, why is it your church does not speak in tongues? You will have something of an answer for them by looking at the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14. Tongues and prophecy. They have a different audience. Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Now I find that interesting right away. One who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Oftentimes today, in churches that would practice the speaking in tongues, they will say things like, there has to be an interpreter there so we can hear the word from God. As if the tongues were some revelation for the church. That's not what Paul says. That's not what the scripture says. One who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. But he speaks to God. Tongues are not for speaking to each other. Tongues are for speaking to God, bringing praise to Him. On, in contrast to that, verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people. Now kids, when he talks about prophecy, you could kind of say, that's like, like the sermon. Prophecy is declaring the word of the Lord. So that's kind of like the sermon. And that <clears throat> is a declaration, not to God, it's certainly done for his glory, but that declaration is to the church. And it is a declaration of the word of God that we are all to understand. It is a message for the people. There's a different audience between tongues and between prophecy, tongues speak to God. Prophecy speaks to the people. The audience, the audience in tongues is not one another. The audience is God. The audience's prophecy is one another, is the church. Tongues and prophecy not only have a different audience, but they have a different purpose. Again from verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Go to verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now, I don't think Paul is being degrading here. He's just recognizing what's going on. The one who speaks in a tongue, it is for self-edification. It is something that is done for our own benefit. 
to speak in a tongue is to build oneself up, not to build up the body. Again, we don't want to make two hard and fast correlations between what Paul talks about here and our practices today. But in some ways, in some ways, we can think of this uh, like prayer with regard to its purpose. In prayer, we speak to God. And it is edifying for us. There's something wonderful in praying to God, pouring out our heart to Him, knowing that He hears us, knowing He will answer us. There's, a, there's an edification that we get when we come to God in prayer. So with regard to the purpose, prayer is in a way like that speaking in tongues. The one who speaks in the tongue builds himself up. We are edified ourselves. Again, in contrast to that, verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And that has been Paul's point throughout this section, to build up the body of Christ. Do that which is good for the edification of others. And if that is Paul's goal, and if that is our goal, that is not done by tongues, that is done by prophecy. To build up the body, to hear the word of the Lord declared for the upbuilding, the encouragement, and the consolation in the church. He says in verse 5, Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, there is a text our Pentecostal brothers love to quote, but they skip the second half. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Yes, speaking in tongues, it's a self-edifying thing, but even more than that, we should be concerned to build up the church, to speak the word of the Lord to one another. Not to speak only to God, but to speak to one another His word. I want you more, even more, to prophesy. And so he says in verse 13, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I'll sing with my spirit, I'll pray with, sing with my mind also. And again, to try to, to try to make a correlation to this today, what's Paul talking about? He talks about praying. We might think of this as the difference between private and public prayer. To try to get a handle on what he's saying. In private prayer, in our own personal devotions, our spirit overflows as we speak to God in prayer. And we might not, we might not form all the sentences just right, and we might not use the right syntax and all these things. We, our, our hearts just overflow and pray to God. That happens in private. But in public prayer, when we pay, pray publicly, or even for that matter around our tables at home, it is a more thought-out prayer. We pray with our mind, not just the overflowing of our spirit, of our heart. He says in verse 16, Otherwise, 
If you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? How can anyone join in if they can't understand what you're saying, if they, if they don't know what you're talking about? How can they say amen along with you? Verse 17, for you may well be giving thanks, but the other person is not built up. And he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Verse 19, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says to the church at Corinth, tongues are not bad, but they're just not as useful as speaking the word of prophecy. I would rather say five words that you could understand and instruct you than 10,000 spoken to God which you can't understand. A different purpose between tongues and speaking the word of the Lord through prophecy. And to help us get a handle on that, Paul gives us a couple of analogies in the text. Uh, first from verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you? If I come speaking in tongues and you can understand me, how will I benefit you? Unless I bring you a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching, unless I speak something understandable to you, and I want you to benefit from my visit. Verse 7. If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? The instrument needs to play clear notes, needs to play an understandable tune, so we can join in. Maybe some of you have had the experience of um, giving your children uh, piano lessons, all four of our kids took piano lessons when they were little. And, uh, you know, of course you want to encourage your children in music, and so, you know, you hear them practicing, and you walk in the room, and you say, oh, honey, that just sounded so good. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And they turn to you, and they say, well, thank you. What song do you think I was playing? And you go, what song do you think you were playing? Jesus loves me. Oh, that's exactly what it sounded like. It was beautiful. You know, if, if there's no distinct notes, if there's no distinct tune, even lifeless instruments have the same reality, then you can't join in. They're not worthwhile. They're not beneficial for the body. He gives another example in verse 8. And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? Kids, at this time, they did not have radios in battle. They could call back and forth. Hey, it's time to, time to advance, time to attack. They used a bugle to signal what the army was supposed to do. But if the bugle didn't give a clear, clear, crisp sound, they wouldn't know. Are they supposed to attack? Are they supposed to retreat? It has to be clear. It has to be understandable to others around you. How much more in the church? Our worship is to be understandable. He goes on in verse 9. 
so with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. If I can't understand what you're saying, it is not building me up. Now, I suppose tonight, instead of bringing my English Bible with me, I suppose I could have brought my Greek Bible along and could have read the text to you in Greek. Now, that might be edifying to me, but you'd go, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't understand that. How can we appreciate the teaching when we don't know what you're saying? That's Paul's point. There has to be a clear, understandable declaration of the word of the Lord. And tongues don't do that. It is the word of prophecy. It is the word of the Lord declared that does that. It must be clear. It must be understandable. Which is why I pray every Sunday before every worship service that the word of, the, word of God might go forth clearly. The gospel go forth unhindered. Even by my human frailties and by my stuttering. Let the word be heard and the gospel declared. And that's our prayer once again tonight. That the gospel call be heard clearly. That we must repent and believe and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. That is our only hope. And that message, spoken clearly, spoken directly, spoken understandably, and accompanied by the power of the Spirit, is what God uses to build up the church. Understandable worship. Verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Because you think tongues are the greatest thing. They do not build up the body. The declaration of the word of the Lord, the word of prophecy. That is what is for the upbuilding of the church. And then Paul concludes this section, verse 20 to 25. What are the results of tongues? What are the results of prophecy? And taken on the surface, this can seem a bit contradictory. Let's look at what Paul says. In verse 22, he says this, Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Tongues are a sign for unbelievers. But then he says in verse 23, If therefore the whole church comes together and they all speak in tongues and the outsiders enter, will they not say, you're out of your minds? Now that doesn't seem like a sign for the unbeliever. The same time, he says, second half of verse 22, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Prophecy is not for unbelievers. And then he says in verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart is closed. And so he falls down on his face and worships God. 
Now that certainly seems like prophecy is for the unbeliever. What is Paul's point as he brings this section to a close? This has to be understood in light of this quotation that he gives in verse 21. Paul quotes, In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. God here is warning his people Israel that they are to listen to him. And even if a foreigner comes or a stranger comes, they are to listen, but they will refuse to hear the voice. This, this sign of listening to the words is not a sign of blessing, it's a sign of cursing. It's not to their advantage, it's to their disadvantage. And so that's what he's saying, that, that the tongues are a sign for unbelievers, a sign against them. Because, because they will refuse to hear. It's like a foreign voice to them. It's a warning to the unbeliever. If you do not hear, if you cannot understand, it's a warning to you. Foreign tongues are a punishment that's brought. And then, when he says in verse 22, the last half, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers... And he goes on to say someone comes in who's an unbeliever and he hears the word and he's convicted and he falls on his, on his face. And he will declare that God is really among you. That result of prophecy of the one falling down, declaring his sin and saying God is among you. That is not only the blessing for the unbeliever, that is for the believer. As a reminder that God still works in His church. God still works when His Word is declared. When that word of prophecy and that gospel call goes out and people repent, it is evidence God is with you. God is in your midst. And that is for believers to be encouraged. It's for us to be encouraged. As people continue to, to find a church that preaches the gospel and comes inside and confesses their sins and are brought in. God is at work still today. God is at work building up His body. God is at, at work through understandable worship. Tongues and prophecy. You will find churches today that put great emphasis on speaking in tongues. That's like Corinth, who had to be corrected, who had to be corrected by the apostolic word. I want you, he says, to pursue love, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. When brothers in the Lord tell us that, that speaking in tongues is the pinnacle of our experience, we lovingly take them to 1 Corinthians 14 and walk through the text with them. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. I'd rather speak five words and instruct you than 10,000 and you not know what I say. We are to hear the word of the Lord. Hear 
the call of the gospel, understandable worship. That will be for the upbuilding, for the encouragement, for the consolation, for the edification of the body, the church. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your holy word. A word that instructed the church at Corinth. A word that continues to instruct us today as to what to expect, what to look for in worship. It is not the externally outstanding, but it is the faithful declaration the understandable declaration of your holy word and the call of the gospel. Lord God, may that word never be silent from this pulpit, but may you continue Lord's day after Lord's day, morning and evening, to have that call go forth, an understandable call. And would you, O God, work mightily through the power of your spirit, not in these external ways, but internally in hearts, that are changed, that do fall down and say, God is with you. We might be encouraged. You continue to build your church through the ordinary means of grace, the preaching of your word. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number 170 in our Trinity Psalter. Beautiful song about the gospel. God in the gospel of his son makes his eternal counsels known where love in all its glory shines and truth is drawn in fairest lines. Here sinners of a humble frame may taste his grace and learn his name, may read in characters of blood the wisdom, power, and grace of God. We're going to sing all five verses, number 170. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm. 